0: The man walked onto the stage in a colorful robe. He was holding a small oar. He claimed he was wearing a magician's robe and that the oar was his magic wand and that he was going to do something magical with us. This was seven years ago at the Conversion Conference 2012. I still remember this keynote presentation and I've forgotten many. The magic he performed was to teach us an important model for changing behaviors. Before the hour was over, he had asked us to teach the person next to us what he had shared, his behavioral model. I live by that belief. The best way to really learn something is to teach it to someone else. Indeed, his model was one I never forgot, having taught it to someone else. Welcome to Intended Consequences, a podcast from Conversion Sciences. I'm Brian Massey, and I believe that anyone is capable of using behavioral science to get the results their business needs. It delivers intended consequences, and I'll teach you how to harness it.
1: Really encourage people to use the tiny habits, make it really tiny, find where it fits in your life, and as you do the behavior immediately after Uh, do something that makes you feel happy and successful and positive. For some people, it's a fist pump. Think Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. Other people, it's like, they just say the word awesome. Other people raise their hands over the head. Other people just smile. Uh, Some people like doing a little dance that makes them feel happy. Anything that brings up a positive emotion and signals you've
0: succeeded, and it's different for different people. So when BJ Fogg announced that he was finally releasing a new book, I invited him to be on the Intended Consequences podcast. With few changes, what he taught us seven years earlier had changed little. His new book, Tiny Habits, has turned those business management lessons into a program for individual behavior change. BJ knows behavioral design, and he clearly applies it in his life. He teaches at Stanford, and he founded the Behavioral Design Lab there to study human behavior. Each year, his course tackles issues big and small, like peace and connecting to nature. Anyone involved in marketing is involved in what he calls behavioral design. Listen to how this science can change your behaviors and your marketing effectiveness. So, BJ, I'm always interested in what gets people to where they are. What is it that made you so interested in behavioral science? I think it goes back
1: a long, long time. It usually uh, does. Yeah, <laughs> just, just training and just sort of a sense of responsibility for helping others, serving other people. I grew up in a religious tradition. But that really was because That really was the point. I mean, you're here on this earth to serve. And even though I'm not part of that religious tradition, that upbringing certainly is part of who I am or that, that, that sense of things.
0: So this is really a a way of helping people as much as um, a curiosity about the science behind all of this. Yeah, for sure. So your new book is Tiny Habits. And as we were talking about, I saw, I, you know, seven years ago, I saw the, 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 the things that are in the book in a, an earlier form, but they're remarkably similar. There, there were two things that stuck out for me seven years ago, and that was a very simple model. And you did something during your... Uh, presentation, you had us teach the person sitting next to us that yes. model. And I, I want to explore this teaching as learning thing because it seems to run through at least seven years ago to today. It seems to run through it because it's part of the book. Um, yeah. Why don't you start off though and, and give us the, the top level view of how we change our lives using this tiny habits methodology? Okay, yeah, there's, there's two different
1: paths we could go. One is down the behavior design path and talk about the behavior model, which is, <laughs> wow, it's hard to believe that it was seven years ago, which is what we did at the conference. The other path is this specific method that I call tiny habits. And tiny habits works like this. It's basically three hacks that you do so you can create habits easily and quickly. Number one, is you take the new habit you want you scale it way back. So say you want to drink more water. You scale it way back maybe to just pouring a glass of water. So here I'm picking up a glass of water that I poured this morning as my habit. So you just make it, it's not even drink the water. It might just be pour it. Or if you want to do push-ups, like I do a lot of, it's not 20 push-ups, it's two. So you make it really, really tiny. That's hack one. Hack two is you find where does this fit naturally in the course of my day? And you're looking for what it comes after. looking for a routine you already do reliably and in tiny habits we call that an anchor and so you attach the new habit to the anchor so Mm -hmm. in the case of pouring a glass of water i've anchored it to when i put my breakfast plate on the counter and thank my partner for breakfast so after that i pour water the third hack is what wires in the habit and what causes habits to form is not repetition unlike so many people keep saying and it's not accurate what creates a habit as emotions. And so in tiny habits, you deliberately fire off a positive emotion and we call that a celebration. Mm -hmm. If you do that effectively, the habit will substantially wire into your brain. And that is a part of tiny habits sometimes people um, (laughs) disregard. They're really, I mean, it's important because that's the thing that actually wires the habit in. And I know it sounds really weird and it's odd because I've taught thousands and thousands of people this method. So I know that some people resist the celebration piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're missing the point.
0: Well, and I, I don't think to this crowd it's going to be that strange because we've got gaming concepts where we're trying to mm-hmm. reward our visitors for uh, you know micro conversions or little things that they're doing. Uh, Mailchimp famously released uh, components on their interface that whenever you sent an email or accomplished something, it would give you a, an animated high five sort of thing. So yeah. I don't yeah. think this is that sh- that strange. Well, well, good, and
1: Brian, those are great examples once you once you get clear that it's the emotions that create habits, you will see this all around you in successful systems. I mean, anything that's created a habit in you is doing this in some form, so yes, you'll see it everywhere and then it's really hard to believe that we've missed this point for well forever until I you know basically published the book and I have a chapter on it. yes, i've been teaching it in tiny habits since two thousand and eleven, but the book is i in my book. Uh, it's really the first time I've written about it in depth and explained it and I think that will be the reference for this concept.
0: Now how do you do the research on this sort of thing? What's, what, I assume that you're doing experiments to tease out these and, and, and uh, support the, the, the premise. Uh, is this students coming into your lab or are there other ways that you do this? No, on the celebration piece,
1: um, at first it was just stumbling across in my own life like oh my gosh when i say victory after i floss one tooth they have wires in so f- at first it's just like a lot of research you have a sense of something it's like what's going on here and mm-hmm. then next step was teaching it to a whole bunch of people uh i mean thousands of people and then qualitative feedback like oh my gosh the celebration piece really works i did it which is not an experiment and then later it's running a true experiment and in the tiny habits platform where people do a five-day program it's really easy to split people out into two groups and so like within a week's time i can run a true experiment so there's the non-celebration condition there's the celebration condition and the results are very clear that the people that were instructed and encouraged to celebrate did much better than those who did not now that's not a direct measure of emotion it i'm measuring the technique of celebration so so there's some inferences there. There's some leaps there. We know the celebration um, improves things. Our yes. hypothesis is that it's because it adds emotion. Yeah. We, so we, yeah, that, that would be the, the dynamic, right? Or the mechanism behind it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So that was one path that, that you, you talked about. What was the second path uh, that you uh, wanted to talk about? Oh, the behavior model. So one path is tiny habits and the book is titled tiny habits. And for the first time I pulled together that specific method in depth But, (laughs) Brian, what I'm so happy about, the book is really about behavior design, which is my broader, it's it's the term that we use at Stanford for the broader umbrella of some new models of behavior change, including the fog behavior model and new methods. And I was really glad I could expand the scope of the book to include that. So, So, early on, I talk about the fog behavior model, which goes like this. Behavior happens when three things come together at the same moment. There's motivation to do the behavior. Mm-hmm. There's ability to do the behavior and there's uh-huh. a prompt and if any one of those is missing the behavior won't happen And if you want a behavior to happen, you have to make sure all three of those things are present at the same moment
0: And this is what you had us teach uh, each other at the, yeah. the the keynote
1: Yeah, and what's great about the behavior model which the pieces came together finally for me in 2007 on that model is it becomes the cornerstone for a foundation of understanding behavior, and then I could build on the foundation. So since 2012, there's been a lot of stuff that I've done. It's just that I got the foundation laid, and then I could go further and look at pretty much any type of behavior challenge once the foundation was right. And that's what I've done since 2012, besides write the book.
0: Got it. Uh, There are a couple of exercises in here, one of them I referenced, where you, you, you go out and you teach something to someone in, in order to, to instill the habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, exercise one in the book, uh, I, I thought was interesting. I want you to explain a little bit to me. Um, write down three habits that you'd like to stop. You want to be very specific. And then for each habit, think of ways you might remove or avoid the prompt. Yeah. Think of ways that you might make it harder to do. Yeah. Think of ways that you might reduce your motivation. Tell me why I'm focusing on making it harder. Uh, rather than making it easier?
1: What a good question. So early on in the book, I introduced the behavior model, like I said. And what I want people to do is understand that you can use that model to do lots of things with your behavior, including stopping a behavior. This book uh, will be very, very helpful for professionals, but it's actually written for everyday people. And when when you do, when you connect with everyday people and what they want to do with their behavior... First and foremost, there's a behavior, that, there's a habit they want to stop. Okay, mm-hmm. so people you know, working in uh, conversion, of course, they don't want to stop a behavior. They want to get it to happen. But for the reader of this book... We want, want to, to stop getting... abandonment for sure. <laughs> we <want> to... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a funny question because that's um, it's almost like a double negative. You, know? you want people to actually continue. Yes, But I mm-hmm. guess the, the quick uh, answer to wrap, or to wrap up my answer, Brian, is um just one give people a really quick application of the behavior model and do it in a domain that most readers care about a lot you know how do i stop snacking how do i stop getting mad at my kids how do i stop using facebook so much and so if you remove the prompt or make it really hard to do or remove the motivation any one of those three things will help you succeed
0: yeah and you 'll see a version of the what I loved about this being the geek nerd that I am was the graph that you used that made it very clear the relationship between motivation and ability and where those prompts lie or at the, at the yeah. time that I took the notes it was you were calling them triggers um, and where you 're going to fail on the graph and where you 're not going to mm-hmm. fail and This can be applied of course to changing my life. It can also be applied to uh, increasing the motivation, increasing the ability of uh, people to work with our websites, people to buy our products, people to sign up and and, and become leads. So I'll, uh, you know, in the, in my notes, there'll be a version of that. And perhaps you'll let me uh, replicate that on the uh, website as well. Yeah.
1: But they wouldn't let me do Brian. (laughs) I'm talking my editors uh, on tiny habits is include a business chapter or have a really strong business thread through the book, which I really wanted to do because I teach you know, I teach business people all the time, behavior design, and it's super helpful and practical. Um, But in the business chapter, which people can get, it's sort of like a bonus outside the book. If you think of my behavior model with the curved line, and then you draw a circle over the curved line. So let's say 40% of the area of the circle is above the action line and 60% is below. Hmm. That's how you might visualize any one, uh, say, step in your conversion funnel. Let's say you want people to Sign up for a newsletter. And you send out, the, you know, people land on the page, and let's say, miraculous, <laughs> by some miracle, 40% are signing up. That's the 40% of the circle above the action line. And what you can do, and man, I wish this was people were with me and I'd be drawing it out on the whiteboard. <laughs> I know. The discussion is okay, so here's our population 40% are converting like we want them to, whereas this other 60% are below the action line. Mm-hmm. They're either lacking motivation or they're lacking ability so then you could run a test to well let's make it easier to do and see how much increase in conversion we get okay let's now make it more motivating and see how much increase we get so by in the book and elsewhere i've really talked about the behavior model as an individual person but you can with the circle and it really would be a scatter plot. it wouldn't be a circle at yeah. least you can convey that here's our, here's our market and 40% are doing what we want. And how do we increase from 40% to, and I think about the, the top is about 70%. That seems to be a ceiling for most things.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that if we were getting 40% conversion rates on almost any business, that would be amazing. And what I'll do is is I'll um, uh, try to capture this in the show notes so that folks can go in and check that out. Uh, I like a lot of the language in the book, especially uh, things like look at your behavior, the way a scientist looks at what's Mm -hmm. growing in a Petri dish. So you are inviting people to look at this a little bit more um, scientific way. And I also learned a new verb, scrolling. One of your examples, someone was, I'm going to stop my scrolling. And by scrolling, you mean checking Facebook yeah. and, and and scrolling through. So that's become my new verb of the week. But um, don't
1: do it. So the point is scrolling in bed. Yes. <laughs> There's a woman, very successful executive. I tell her a story in the book where she wanted to stop scrolling in bed. And it turns out, I mean, I don't have that. That's not my habit, but it turns out a lot of people have that habit. And, uh, so she figures out how to stop it using, you know, my behavior model.
0: And, uh, you know, it, the motivation is it keeps you awake, uh, it, it, it interfer- interferes with your sleep because of the blue light and, and all that. Yeah. Uh, so what else do we need to know about tiny behaviors? We see, I think we've got the, the two larger models that you wow. talk about. Let me, let me give the,
1: the two broadest statements from my book and I call them maxims. There are two things. One is to help people do what they already want to do. And two is to help people feel successful. So those two maxims map to tiny habits. That's what the method does. And it also maps to other kinds of engagement and so on. And I I think those maxims are really, really relevant uh, to the listeners here. That's what you have to do for any winning product or service. It's those two things. And if you fail on either of those two things, you don't make it. So it's help people do what they already want to do. So you're aligning whatever behavior you want them to do with something that they want, of course. And then if you want ongoing engagement, and I know in some cases with conversion, it's not, it's like a one and done, but for most um, products and services and most ventures, you want ongoing engagement. So to create the habit and to create engagement and get people to like you and advocate for you and so on. All these great things happen from helping people feel successful mm-hmm. and you know, we're going back and in tiny habits. The way you do that is you do the celebration like you pointed out in video games and even practical software, you know, they give you thumbs up the high five they're celebrating. They're affirming that you're succeeding. And as they do that in video games or uh, other systems like survey software, it's not just random and it's not just to be nice. It serves a purpose and that is to, one, wire in the habit and two, motivate you to do more with that product or service or brand.
0: And is, you know, Always I'm mapping these things onto how I'm communicating and engaging with, uh, with my audience, the people that are coming to my website and to my clients' websites. Is it the things like sending um, an email or a note that says congratulations and kind of celebrating no. with them is it, or is it something that's s- going to be s- something more meaningful than that? Yeah. Surprisingly, no.
1: Okay. Everybody be patient, but I'm going to share something really, really important. Awesome. I do, I do not use the word reward in behavior design, and I only use it in the book to say, don't use this word. It's a messy word. And mm-hmm. Reward if you rewind decades, it's a good technical term, but the use of it today has at least two meanings. One meaning is, you know, when somebody does something and you know, you let's say you you achieve some level in a video game and you see you hear sounds and you see animations and you get points. That's a type of reward. And that is the kind of reward that creates habit. It happens instantly in that moment and your brain associates whatever behavior you did with that positive feeling right Mm -hmm. the reward only works if it creates a feeling and then the habit so that's one use of the word reward and it's the right technical use uh, or it's one of the right technical uses the wrong use is oh meditate for 30 days and then we're going to give you the reward of this trophy you can put on linkedin okay that's not a reward because at least not the way I see it from a technical perspective, that doesn't wire in the habit. That's like an incentive or a prize that comes at the end of a 30 day journey. But people use the word reward for both of those things. So if Uh there is a distance in time between the behavior and that thing that's supposed to make people feel great, it's not going to wire in the habit. And it's technically not a reward.
0: So Amazon could say, thank you very much for your order, but it's really when that package shows up on your doorstep that you get that dopamine squirt or that emotional mm-hmm. that emotional reward that, oh, I have something here for myself now to open. Well, possibly. I mean, that that will make you
1: love Amazon. I think most, ugh, I have such mixed feelings. The box shows up and I just feel dread. Like, what have I just done to the environment? <laughs> By having this box come and I have a tiny little Marker, but no, it's really in the moment. In the moment, I push either add to card or I push the you know buy now button. That's the habit Amazon wants to wire in. Is like add things to your cart and click buy now, and so it's really when I uh, so the proximity and time needs to be right when the behavior happens. Uh huh. That's when you need to help people feel successful. And certainly not unsuccessful. If I clicked a a button and said, buy now, and I didn't get any confirmation that the purchase went through, then I would be confused. So the reward, the reinforcer, the thing that creates shine, that happy feeling, I'm using those as synonyms. It needs to happen right there, but it doesn't have to be hugely dramatic. Mm. It can just affirm that somebody has succeeded. Oh, I pushed the buy button, and then immediately I get a screen that said, great, your order is done. It's on its way. That's confirming, that's giving me the feeling of success and it's wiring in the habit of using that system. So it, it, it has to be immediate and it doesn't have to be confetti falling you know, from my computer screen. It can simply be a way to affirm that I've succeeded.
0: So uh, maybe it'll help to pull this into... Um... Maybe some of the examples from your book, like for our scrolling friend, what did she do to celebrate those nights when she didn't pick her phone up and uh, check out Facebook? Can you give us a few examples?
1: Yeah, we're talking almost two opposite things here. One is the buy button is like, let's create the habit of people pushing buy on our website. What Katie was doing was trying to stop a behavior. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one is about, you know, for most people listening to this, they they want people to do a behavior. In the example with Katie, it was how do we get people, how does she get herself to stop scrolling? And what ultimately worked for her was to put her phone in the kitchen to charge, not on her nightstand. And in that way, when she woke up in the morning, she couldn't just reach over and grab her phone because it wasn't there on the Mm -hmm. nightstand. She'd have to go out to the kitchen and and then she wouldn't go back and get in bed. So for her to stop that behavior, the key was to make the behavior harder to do. And just charge in the kitchen rather than bedroom. I see. I see.
0: Uh, are there examples of celebrations? Way we can celebrate? Just in the context of if we're trying to change a habit.
1: Oh yeah, a lot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, uh, so much on this, uh, Brian. So, if we're talking about personal change and you're trying to wire a habit into your own life, when you do a behavior that you want to become a new habit, and I really encourage people to use the tiny habits and make it really tiny, find where it fits in your life. And as you you do the behavior immediately after, uh, do something that makes you feel happy and successful and positive. For some people, it's a fist pump. Think Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. Other people, it's like, they just say the word awesome. Other people raise their hands over the head. Other people just smile. Uh, Some people like doing a little dance that makes them feel happy anything that brings up a positive emotion and signals you've succeeded and it's different for different people. And so this is part of the skill of change is figuring out what for you is that thing you can do that fires off a positive emotion so you can wire habits in on demand. And it's not the same for everybody. What works for me may not work for you. And what works for, you know, my sister, you know, may not work for listeners. So the part of what I do in tiny habits, uh, in the chapter about is chapter five, emotions create habits, is I guide people through a process so they can figure out what can you do to create this positive emotion inside of you on demand. And um that's that's a really in some ways, Brian, that is the most important skill that someone can have to create habits in their own life.
0: I get it. I get it. Um, I, you know, I want to drill down that because I, I think this celebration piece is really the hardest piece. We know that motivation is, is hard. As you say in the book, mm-hmm. setting up anchors can be done behaviors. Uh, this celebration piece is, um, uh, it seems to me because it is emotional, it's going to, it's going to cement some things in our minds and our brains. Yeah. And it isn't easy. It isn't easy, especially when you're at the arm's length across a digital connection with, your visitors like we are, to um, celebrate with them. So uh, those yeah. of you that are listening, I'll be very interested to hear your input on on any celebrations, digital celebrations that have worked for you.
1: Well, but just, just look and look at systems that are working with the lens of what are they doing to affirm conf- or confirm success. And the examples are out there. Now, there's an industry that uh, the supplements industry, like vitamins and supplements and so on. Mm-hmm. And that's an industry where it's like, okay, I take this vitamin. Uh, I'm not getting the results right away. Right. They, they call it a faith based industry, but I knew, <laughs> <laughs> but I knew there were ways to help their customers feel successful, you know, to have this feeling to wire in the habit. And so mm-hmm. I did a special webinar series for that industry. And I said, Hey, you know, in, in pitching the series, I said, hey, we'll come over six different ways to help your customers feel shine. And we found at least 12. Um, so there are ways to do this. But for most people listening to this, you're not in the faith-based industry like taking vitamins and supplements. You can test stuff. You can go out and look at who really has a really uh, a good system that's converting very well. But watch and see what that does to affirm that people have succeeded. Okay, and Like I said before, it can be as simple as saying, yep, you know, good mm-hmm. job, you placed the order, or yep, you're done now. Or It can simply be a, a confirmation screen that's very clear that they got done what they were trying to get done.
0: I'm already trying to figure out who I'm going to go and test some of this stuff with, which of our clients we're going to go put this on the uh, list for. So uh, The book, when's it going to launch? Uh, January 1st what better time to change habits than when you're setting up all of these new year's resolutions that you're inevitably going to be <laughs> going to fail at.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that was the plan two years ago. It was like, okay, when's this book going to come out? And it was like January, 2020. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that long, this is going to drive me crazy. And I was like, no, let's do it faster. And they're like, you know, that's what this kind of publishing takes. So I've had to be very patient and yes, but now yes, it's soon. Hooray.
0: Uh, where can we, so we'll be able to, I assume, find it on Amazon. Where can we find out more about you between now and the first, uh, if we want to learn more? I have too many
1: websites, but the best ones to, to go to are vjfog.com and tinyhabits.com. And there's a whole bunch of buying options. Yes, Amazon's one, but if you go to tinyhabits.com book, there's other buying options. And Brian, what we've done with my team is we've pulled together a toolkit for Tiny Habits, that if people pre-ordered, they can get the toolkit right away. And yes, that was a pre-order incentive, but it was also a way for me to start sharing and helping people right away and uh, not just say, hey, you've got to wait months for the book. Now it's not that far away, but the toolkit's still really good and people can go get that immediately.
0: And that comes back to how we opened how appropriately, that uh, it takes two years to get a book out, so uh, let's get something out where we can start helping people right away. That, that exactly. kind of touches me really. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. I took notes during BJ's conversion conference session, and my mind map notes are available on the Intended Consequences website at IntendedConsequencesPodcast.com. At one point in our conversation, BJ visualized for us how to apply his behavioral model to the problem of conversion. I went ahead and animated this part of the conversation for you, and it can also be found on the Intended Consequences website at IntendedConsequencesPodcast.com. When you get back to the office, let's see if we can develop some tiny habits around experimenting. The habit we want to change is considering data when we begin any creative project. As BJ told us, it doesn't have to be a big change. In fact, we should make this change very small. So the prompt or trigger in this should be, you sit down to write copy, you sit down to design an ad, you sit down to design a web page. I recommend that your tiny behavior be this, log into analytics. You don't have to look at any reports, you don't have to do any analysis, just log in. Then you can log out and begin your project. I'm trusting the process here. But according to Tiny Habits, you'll begin to think about data more often, and then something will begin to change. Now, go behave like a scientist.